Well, let me add my welcome. Uh, my name is Matt Fuller. I'm a vicar or senior pastor at Christchurch uh, Mayfair. I've been for a good number of years now. And um, well, here we are again, a, a broadcast service, not what any of us desired. Although, to be honest, I am no better in the flesh than I am on screen. So uh, uh, no great loss uh, having me here. Let me pray briefly and then we'll have a look at these couple of verses together. Our great God and Father, we thank you and praise you that you are the one who keeps us until heaven. What a joy that is for Christians to know that you'll never let us go. But you use each other, you use your church, you use other members to keep us. So fathers, we consider once again the privilege that it is to be your instruments, helping your people to keep living for Christ. Encourage us with that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the autumn, my mother passed away, and so this Christmas uh, we missed her. We missed her company, of course, most of all. But if it isn't too bad to say, we also missed her gifts, because uh, my mum was an unbelievable gift giver. Not necessarily extravagant or, 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 or super costly, but she would buy you things that you didn't know you realize you didn't realize you needed. And you'd get them and go, well, I'm not so sure about that. And then, lo and behold, actually, they are fantastic gifts. It was a slightly running joke that uh, even into her 70s, my mother bought me clothes that suited me far better than I was ever capable through any period of my adult life. Many is the Christmas she saved my family's uh, day by buying my wife, Kerry, presents that she loved, as opposed to my meagre offerings. And it was sort of one of those universal things that people observed about her. She's just so thoughtful. She just sort of would observe and think, oh, you need this. You'd mention something. And then a year later, she'd say, oh, well, I saw this. It made me think of that conversation we'd had a year ago. She was really thoughtful in the gifts she gave. And actually, it's a very nice thing. And amongst many other things, we, uh, we missed that. She was a very considerate person in that regard. She would assess, analyze, think hard about you as an individual and buy a gift. And our little passage today, just these two verses, is a call to consider. It's a call to be thoughtful, to analyze, think about other people, assess, what do they need? To be in that sense, considerate of them, contemplate, think attentively or look attentively. What does this person need? Consider. Just two verses we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. One verb, consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. One command, consider, explained in two ways. Don't give up meeting together, but do encourage. So there's a command, a positive and a negative. Three very brief sentences of context. Uh, the first about us, if I may start, start there. For us at the moment, look, church is hard, isn't it? You know that. Church is hard. We can't really gather in any sort of number. And when we do gather, we're not allowed to speak to one another. 
to therefore encourage others at church when life is like that, it's quite hard. In fact, it's more difficult than in the normal scheme of life to do what Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 require. It's more effort than normal. It's one observation. Uh, a second little word of context, the, the Bible context, if you will. We're thinking about church, and I hope this is obvious to you, but if you love Jesus, you love his church. Because he gave his blood, he shed his blood for his church. For the last 2,000 years, he has been about the job of building his church. This planet we call Earth, this time we call history, it's all about the church, Jesus growing his church. That's what life is about. Uh, if you love Jesus, you love his church. I hope, I hope you know that. That should be fairly obvious. You can't say you love Jesus if you don't love his church, because it's the thing that obsesses him. That's the Bible context. And then thirdly, just as we home in on Hebrews, a, 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 a sentence of book context. Why is this sermon transcribed up for us? Probably not a letter, but whatever it is. Um, some people were in danger of giving up. I guess the main reason is uh, later on in chapter 10, you get a little explanation of it. Verse 33, there's persecution. Sometimes you were publicly, publicly exposed to insult and persecution. You suffered in prison. Life was just really hard for them. And so a number of them were giving up. Well, look, you can't say the same for us today, but there's some we think we can learn in that context. I mean, for them, it's a lot more serious, of course, they're being persecuted. And so essentially the book of Hebrews alternates between saying that Jesus is wonderful, don't let go of him. It sort of alternates back and forth passage on Jesus, I say, don't let go. It's, you know, he is great, don't you dare let go. He is great, don't you, let, don't you dare let go. He is great, don't you dare let go. No, 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 no. That sort of thing. Um, that's how it works as a book. And in that context, for them, persecution, when life is hard, it's easy to shrink in just on your own concerns and not worry about others. In our far less, let's be honest, far, far less extreme setting of a year of COVID and, and lockdowns, but even so, when life is hard and we're only just about managing to homeschool kids and get to work and keep the house running and just about speak to someone, life shrinks in. And so in that context, we all need the reminder, but consider others. We all need to hear that. In the wisdom of God, he set up the church that you need me and I need you. That's how he set it up. We need to consider one another. Okay, well, let's have a look at our text then. Um, chapter 10 and verses 19 to 25 is the great summary, really, of where we've got to in the book so far. It's parallel with chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Many uh, familiar themes. Uh, the, the essence being, look, Jesus has provided access to God in heaven. That is a wonderful thing. And certain imperatives flow from that. So verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Spend time with him. You belong in his presence, so go there. Uh, again, um, verse 23, let us keep going, or let us hold firmly to um, 
unswervingly rather to the hope we profess. And then the third imperative is this, and here's the one we spend our time on, verses 24 and 25. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Okay, so we're going to do that. Consider, negatively, don't give up meeting, positively do encourage. Okay, that's how we work through it. So first, I mean, there's one verb. It's pretty obvious what we're to do. Verse 24, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Consider. The verb used only one out of the time in the book, chapter 3, verse 1. Consider Christ. Uh, think hard about him. Dwell upon him. Set your thoughts upon him. That's primary. Here's the second time. Consider others. Actually, more specifically, the purpose of considering is consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Spur. Stir up. Often used in the New Testament of emotions. He was stirred to anger. She was spurred to action. It's encourage, rouse people. So there's a certain assumption in our text that none of us are as active in love and good deeds as we should be. We're all a little bit sleepy, is the assumption of the text. There's a sense, or the picture is a bit like someone on Christmas Day, might be me, I wouldn't comment, but someone on Christmas Day, you have your large lunch, probably far too large, you may have a glass of wine, and the presents are opened, and the Queen is watched, and then the eyelids, eyelids droop. And you have a little, little half four-ish little snooze in a, in a chair if someone lets you do that. And you need rousing, you need stirring up, you need spurring on. Well, that's the sort of picture here. Because again, when life is complicated, when life is hard, we shrink in. We've got enough cares of our own. And so we need reminding, look out, consider, consider others. Discern what other people need. What does this sleepy person over here need? I've woken up, what do they need? A word of encouragement, a word of, word of chastisement? Consider. Think. That again gets explained in two ways. Negatively, positively. Negatively, don't give up meeting. Verse 25. So let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Because, again, if you're getting persecuted, well, the easy thing to do is not go to where you may be persecuted. Just don't go to church, where people may try and round you up and throw you in prison. Or, it's explained slightly dimly, chapter 2, verse 1, people are drifting away, there's a certain indifference, laziness, I don't know. But for whatever reason it may be, don't give up on meeting together. Now, I imagine there's a great variety of opinions amongst Christians in London. Some would say at the moment, well, we must resist the government, and they say we mustn't meet, we must defy them, and they say wear masks, and we must sing, and we must take off our masks, and some will feel strongly about that, and others will think, no, 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 look, we have freedom to meet in a limited form at the moment, but let's not use it because, you know, the case loads, the numbers are going through the roof and London hospitals are full and let's be good citizens and cautious. I know there'll be a variety of opinions, I know. But as far as we're able, don't give up on the habit of meeting. If physical church is an option, 
and uh, in three days' time, who knows? Uh, but if in physical church is an option, bust a gut to get there. Because even in the highly limited form we have at the moment, there is great encouragement in, well, we songs are sung from the front and we sort of hum or sway or clap uh, along. And there's encouragement in that. There's great encouragement hearing a sermon with other people around. You just listen differently. We do, don't we, compared to our sofas. And sort of nodding at them and agreeing, we're going to do this. This is, this is really encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, I was really encouraged by that with your one other person as you wander off outside. Look, if church is online and we can't meet physically, we suck it up and meet remotely. And it's not great, but we can still do it. All right, in a way, I mean, just who knows quite what the next couple of months look like. But um, you've got to be realistic. I, I enjoyed uh, during the first round of lockdown. Um, it's probably the only one we'll remember, isn't it? Lockdown one. By the time we get to lockdown 17, um, who knows? But uh, the first round, was June time or May time or something, I caught up with one of the home group leaders at church. And they said, look, I've got to be honest with you last night. Yeah, we were meant, you know, it was a home group, and um, I just said to everyone, I can't do it tonight. Look, I'm putting my laptop on the floor, I'm lying on the floor next to it, and I'm going to talk to you. In fact, let's pray for one another. I just can't bear to look at the screen for any longer. And that's just where he was at. And, you know, you can't do it every week, but they still met, and they prayed for one another, even when exhausted. Now, some of you may think, I'm not an encouraging person. How can I be an encouragement at the moment? I'm, I'm only just about hanging on. Actually, I've been fairly immoral for the past few weeks. I don't think I can encourage anyone. Can I let you know, you are far more encouraging than you realise. You really are, or certainly potentially, you are far more encouraging than you realise. Because actually sometimes all you need to do to be a massive encouragement is turn up. Well, that's it. You just turn up and people are delighted. Say nothing. Fall asleep. Doesn't matter, you're there. Turn up. Uh, back in April, the first prayer meeting we had, like many would be, uh, the first Wednesday of the month, and um, it was that stage where everything had just moved on Zoom and no one really knew what they were doing. And so you just sort of set up this prayer meeting with lots of different... Hello, hello, can you hear me? Can you see me? You know, we're all terrible at that stage. But um, April prayer meeting, I'll hear all the details. Oh, no, how, how many, what's going to happen? People turn up. We had the largest prayer meeting we've ever had at church by a mile. I mean, the majority of people w were there online. It was extraordinary. Of course, for the next month, so many people said, oh, so encouraging. You know, in, in our context, you know, just hundreds of people that were so encouraging. Never been into any prayer meeting like it at church. Yeah, it was really encouraging because people turned up. God, I was praying when we broke out into small groups, breakout rooms. We were so excited. We worked it out back in April. Um, and then you're sort of praying with one student and say, hold on a minute. Are you back in Hong Kong? Yeah, yeah. It's three in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And you've turned up for the prayer meeting. Well, yeah. I love you. Um, that's amazing. Just the power of turning up 
sometimes. It can be a massive, massive encouragement. And look, even if church is remote, you can still consider how to spur people on. You can ask a really simple question, okay? After this broadcast, who am I going to spur on in some way? Who am I going to encourage in some way? On a Zoom call, I can't bear Zoom. On a phone call, old-fashioned, go for a walk. You can still go for a walk, two by two. It's very biblical, two by two. Some are in the habit of not meeting, he says. You can get into just habits, patterns. Yes, I need to do church. I can fit it in between this and that and still have the dinner on the table at, um, well, but are you meeting anyone? Just watching telly, it's all right. Uh, but who are you encouraging? I need encouragement. You need encouragement from someone else. Consider how to meet up. So don't give up. That's the negative. Don't give up on meeting in whatever form we're allowed to. The positive version, more briefly, is uh, do encourage, verse 25. That's how it's explained. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouragement is a massive word in the, the, uh, uh, the sermon to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 22. He describes the message as a word of encouragement. Broadly, two senses to it. You have to take your pick on how you're going to translate it. Uh, encourage or exhort. So you might think of a parent can be gently encouraging with their child. No, Dorothea, I know long division is hard, but when you put your mind to it, you can do it. Look, you know, look, you've done that one and you can be encouraging and sort of building up in that sense. Or a parent, parent may be a bit more exhorting on the sidelines of a sports pitch. Come on, for goodness sake, lazy so-and-so. I mean, both descriptions fit within the range of encourage. That's why you have to consider, does this person need gentle building up or actually a word of rebuke. You have to think about that. Everyone's different. You've got to make sure you understand where they're at. It takes a bit of work, considering. With what do we encourage one another? Well, the, the truth certainly that he's talked through in the rest of Hebrews. The summary that you get in verses 19 to 23. Look at what Jesus has done. Find strength in God. Again, sometimes it'll be, a, look, you can find strength in God. Other times, no, look, you need to find your strength in God and not that. But we need the encouragement to look to Jesus, to consider him. And we do all need that. I, uh, I think I probably bore uh, Christchurch Mayfair. I quite often use uh, a little quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together. That's a good book. He writes some others. It's variable. Not all are good. But Life Together is a good book. And um, uh, this phrase that's just stuck in my head, the Christian needs another Christian to speak God's word to him. For the word in his own heart is weaker than the words of his brother. He's saying, Sometimes you need someone else to tell you stuff you know. You know it, but you need someone else to say it to you. And that has a massive impact. I just think that has been so true in my own life. You know, so often friends have come and told me stuff. They, I know it, 
but you hear it differently when someone else says it. Sometimes it's someone far younger in the faith, a sort of teenager, someone who's become a Christian a month ago, is very excited, says, oh, did you know that um, uh, when we get to heaven, it's like a feast? You know, you know, I do know that. I've been a Christian a few decades. But actually, you hear it in the words of someone else. It just has a massive effect upon you sometimes. We need the word to come to us from others, sometimes much stronger than the word which dwells in our heart. Depends where we're at. And you do this all the more as the day is approaching. The day. The day when Jesus returns, the day of judgment. But the day when Jesus returns, it's so close now. He is wonderful. Do not let him go. He is wonderful. Don't you dare let go. We need that encouragement. So look, very practically, consider. Consider, consider. Consider, look, here's a girl. She is Lonely Louise. And uh, she only moved to London in 2020. That's a bum year to, to, to move across. And um, she's living on her own and she doesn't really know many people. What does she need? Just a walk? Ongoing version of uh, uh, online Scrabble, personal favourite in lockdown. But what does she need? Here's a bloke, faithful Fred. He's been at church for years. He probably built the church. He's been here ages. He's been here for so long. And he's such a great servant. He just goes around serving other people. What does Fred need? Oh, he's fine, isn't he? He's Fred. Yeah, but we all need encouragement. What does Fred need? Here's a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Homemaker. I haven't seen them very much recently. You actually do bump into them in, um, uh, in the town, in the village nearby. You bump into them and um, you say, oh, I haven't seen you much at church. We say, no, well, we've just bought our forever home. And uh, we're very excited. And uh, lots of time decorating and sorting things out. Well, what do they need? Possibly that they need a word of, it's not your forever home. That's heaven. That's the new creation. You've got a new house. Great. Enjoy it. It's just a resource to serve Jesus with. It's not your forever home. Come gather with us. We need you. Consider. Perhaps go through the people in your small group. What do they need? Individually. What will spur them on to love and good deeds? Consider. Don't stop meeting. Do encourage. A word of caution as we finish. Of course, um, uh, this is an orientation of the heart. You could have a sort of manic week or even month now saying, well, I'm going to encourage everyone and, and sort of collapse and burn out. So you don't want to do that. It needs to be sort of something. Is this something you build into the rhythm of life, not just have a splurge for a week uh, and, and then keel over? Uh, then others will say, oh, look, I'm just tired getting through the day, you know, by the time the homeschooling and then, oh, I finished the emails at 11 o'clock. I'm just tired. I know. I know. And hopefully others are considering you. And maybe you can consider just one other, maybe good for you to go for a walk as well. But alongside that, of course, as he said in verses 19 to 23, consider Christ. He never gives up on meeting with us. He never gives up on us. He's a constant encouragement. Consider him. 
Look, he's given you a command. He'll give you the resources to meet it. Consider him and then consider others. Because a day is coming. Some point we pray in the next year, a day is coming when we return to a physically gathering, the whole church together, and we shall burn our masks and we shall sing until we're hoarse and we shall hug and kiss one another like Italian mamas with their kids. And it'll be wildly exciting and it won't hold a candle to that day, the day. And we want to be there on the day. And I need encouragement. I need to be spurred on to love and serve others, to encourage them. So this might be, I don't know, one of the easiest sermons to apply all year long for you. Because what you do at the end of this broadcast is you pick up the phone or you go online and you think, who am I going to call? Who am I going to speak to and encourage? You can all do that. It's so easy. Who do I want to say, let's go for a walk? But consider, we spur one another on. So consider how we do that. It's a great joy we've got one another. We have Jesus, he is wonderful. We have one another and we do need one another. So let's consider how to spur one another on. Let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, here is a really simple command and yet makes a profound difference to our life at church. Father, if all of us are about this task of considering, thinking hard individually about people, what they need, what will help them, if people are doing that for us, what a joy. What a joy. I do, we all long to be in a church where this is actively, demonstrably taking place. Father, equip us for that, we pray, even this afternoon. Would we consider and spur someone on, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen.